Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good. This side of the room sounds like good. This side? Doing all right? All right, good. That's good to hear. Um, hey, let me give you a little update on uh, Mark and what's uh, going on. Um, he came in this week, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, woo. Uh, he came to staff meeting and sat down and looked at us and said, this was not a good idea. And uh, turned around and went home. So uh, it was good to see him. Uh, good to see him up and around. Here's what's going on. Uh, energy. Just pray for energy. Pray that that comes back and that uh, uh, fully restored. Uh, he can kind of go out and do certain things for a little bit, and then he just gets tired and then comes back. So um, pray that God would uh, renew his strength and give his energy back. I know you heard this, uh, that uh, Brad talked about Fall Festival. It's coming back. It's tonight. Yay! Uh, from 5.30 to 8.30. And it's going to be here in uh, the uh, worship center, as well as on the courtyard, as well as in the other building. Tons of fun, tons of opportunity to uh, hang out with your family, tons of opportunity to hang out with your kids, and to invite someone to it, uh, your neighbors and your friends as well. Uh, we have added a new element to it as we brought it back this year. Um, Halloween. It is the uh, uh, Halloween, and basically what we're doing with this is uh, kids and families will have the opportunity to sign up in the lobby when they come in. And right over here, uh, out those doors, there's going to be a trolley that takes all the young kids and families around over to uh, this other building. And then they're going to walk through three different rooms that have different dramas and stuff. They're going to look at some of the symbols, some of the scary symbols that you might find in Halloween and see how Jesus is greater than and how they don't have to be scared because they can have Jesus in their life. And so a uh, great opportunity to start conversations about God uh, with some of your friends and your, and your neighbors. Uh, great opportunity for them to come and have fun. Now, I know a lot of you are coming back and you're serving, and you're going to be doing the booths, and so make sure and put the big smile on your face as you hand out candy and all that kind of stuff. But this crowd has a special opportunity to serve even more so uh, than the other services at the end of the service, we're going to need to remove all those things that you're sitting in. And uh, we're going to need to stack them into groups of eight and then kind of wheel them around. And so if you can stay and help us at least stack the chairs, that would be extremely helpful. If you can help us, uh, there's, I need five or six of you to help us move the chairs into the prayer room and cry room and stuff like that. And I'll try and remember to remind you at the end. Now, speaking of kids and family, we're just going to kind of jump right in to the passage this morning and uh, find out what God uh, has to say to us. So to do that, let me pray for us and for our time together. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for another opportunity, uh, another chance to come and to hear from you and to hear your word. Uh, God, I just um, am so grateful uh, for it and for its instruction and for uh, what it does in our lives. And so, Lord, as we um, as we study today, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that you would move in the directions that you need to move. Um, help us as we uh, walk through this thing of, of being children that honor and being parents uh, that lovingly direct. Um, Lord, allow me just to step out of the way and say the things you want said this morning. I want to pray, too, for Pastor Mark. Pray that you would just uh, renew his strength, that you would uh, heal him and give him uh, energy back this week. Uh, Lord, we love you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians. We're going to start here in chapter 6, but then we're going to go backwards a little bit as well. Chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, we're going to spend some time this morning looking at some of the roles of family, specifically uh, children and parents. Now, let me just tell you, this is a concern of mine. When usually we do some kind of sermon like this, the, the tendency would be to make a list. Here are the things i got to do. Here are the things I'm not doing. Here are the things I need to improve on. I'm going to give myself a 3 on that, a 10 on that. Uh, and we kind of make these lists and kind of compare them. But the, the fact of the matter is this. Uh, I don't think there's anything else in my life that has revealed the need for God's grace, God's mercy, God's power, God's strength than parenting. Uh, it has continually revealed where I am the weakest. And, and, and so here's the thing. When, when we come to this, we're going to come and we're going to find out. We're going to struggle with this a little bit. Uh, the New Testament, when it usually addresses children and parents, it does so right after it addressed husband and wife. Usually you find that. And so in this passage, if you were to scroll back into Ephesians 22 through 31, you would find that Paul is addressing husbands and wife. And he'll say, uh, husbands, you should live this way. Wives, you should live this way. And what that's telling us is this, that the basis for a successful foundation, a successful foundation to parent our kids well comes when mom and dad uh, are relating well. So it starts with a husband who serves, who loves, who encourages his wife. It starts with a wife who encourages, serves, and respects her husband. This is the basis and foundation, Scripture says, for parenting. Now here's the thing. We don't live in a perfect world. And so I think there are times that we see how much more we're in need of God's grace, direction, and power uh, in our lives in this area. Uh, Because if we're honest, most of us struggle with being the kind of husband that God wants us to be or the kind of wife that God wants us to be. And some of us had some other things happen in life that we're alone. And we're running through this on our own. I, I really believe that God's Word gives us hope here today uh, and gives us insight uh, today and how these things can be accomplished uh, and how the, we can have successful parenting relationships. So let me explain. Uh, this section of Scripture in Ephesians, it starts somewhere in the middle of Ephesians chapter 5 and it ends kind of in uh, chapter 6, is really known as the household rules. So Paul is writing, and he is taking these household rules and kind of listing them out. Um, The household that he is addressing is a little bit different than ours. When we think of a traditional uh, American home, we think of uh, a parent, a a husband, a wife, uh, 2.5 kids, and some kind of animal uh, of some sort. Now, we have non-traditional homes as well, um, but the household that he is addressing had father and mother, children, just like ours, uh, except it also included in it extended family, cousins, uncles, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it was a a little bit larger of a gathering. And it included in it then the slaves and servants of the house that he, of the group he is talking to. Now, uh, Greco-Roman culture that he is writing to put a tremendous premium on law and order. And so one of the ideas they had was basically the best way to kind of control society is to give absolute power to the smallest segments of society. And so therefore, that was the household. So the patriarch or the uh, uh, father had absolute authority in uh, that culture, in in that that, uh, time frame, because they figured this is the easiest way to maintain control and maintain law and order. So much so that children, uh, let me explain kind of how this played out for you. Uh, If you had a child... The father could say, yes, I want that one, or no, I don't. 
and put it to death. It was the right of the father. Uh, if, the, if you uh, were misbehaving and struggling at, at the home, the father could have you put in prison or it could have you executed. Now, next time mom or dad sends you to your room, just be thankful that you grew up in this culture. Now, into that culture, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ came. And so it kind of changed and rearranged what was the culture norm. Uh, and, and what it said is this. It pointed to everyone, man and woman, and said, hey, listen, all of us have been created in God's image. And we've been marred by this thing called sin. And yet God still sees us of value, and so he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to go to the cross, to pay for our sins. And because of that, you can have a hope. You can have a hope of eternity and, and, and with him. And not only that, you can have power and strength for living right now with what you're going through. And that, as we know, is the Holy Spirit. So, this is the group that he is addressing. This is what he is trying to say. At the very beginning of the household rules, he pretty much gives us two little things, and then he filters every relationship through those, those, uh, those items. And the first one is found in chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is this, without Jesus in your life, uh, without you giving control over to the Holy Spirit, you can't on your own strength be the husband that you're supposed to be, be the wife that you're supposed to be, be the parent that you're supposed to be, be the child that you're supposed to be. The first step of that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so everything starts by submitting to the Holy Spirit. Uh, a prayer would be simply this, Holy Spirit, please raise these kids through me. Remember the goal that we talked about last week. The goal was that they would uh, grow up, that they would love God with all of their minds, uh, with all of their emotions, and with all of their actions. For, for that to take place, that can't be done on our own strength. The Holy Spirit needs to be involved, needs to give us insight, direction, and wisdom. If I was perfectly honest with you, I would tell you this. There are times when I am disciplining one of my, one of my children, uh, usually one of the boys, and I am uh, having this conversation with them, and I am correcting them and telling them, okay, you did this, but you shouldn't have been doing this, and here's... And they got it. They totally understand the concept that I am talking about. I could totally stop right there. But I don't. I find myself kind of going further, um, kind of getting angry, because I'm still angry about what they did. I'm still embarrassed by their actions. And so I find with my words and my tone, I keep digging. And I can look across, and I can see the heart of the kid, and I can see that I'm kind of crushing it. But yet, it's almost like my pride isn't satisfied yet. And so I keep going. It's like the things keep coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, he's got it. And another thing, he's got it. And it just keeps coming. Anyone else? parents struggle with that sometimes? But see, if I go with that standard, the truth is the only way that they can't embarrass me or they can't disappoint me at some point is that they were perfect. Uh, But the truth is they're not. I mean, I'm not. Remember, I'm called to model God's grace to them in my life. I'll tell you this, when I take time and I I just pray this, I say, Holy Spirit, give me your insight, give me your wisdom on their heart. Say the things right now that need to be said. Help me shape him so that he falls in love with you. 
that conversation is totally different. The tone, the tenor, even the words that come out, it's different. Now, look at the next verse here that kind of unlocks the household rules. You have the, I submit to, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The second is this, Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. Uh, It becomes a mutual submission because I love Jesus. We're going to see here with the, uh, with the parent relationship, the child's going to have great opportunity to submit. And we're going to see when Paul addresses us parents, specifically fathers, that we're also going to have an opportunity to submit as well. And you're like, wait a second, wait a second. I'm in charge of the house. What do you mean, submit? Uh, there's going to be an opportunity. So let me just walk through this, see how it plays out. Kids, you're first. Here we go. Verse Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So the first step, children, kids, is this. Children are to honor their parents. We're to honor mom and dad. This is your submission point by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you three ways real quick to honor your parents. The first one is going to apply to children of a certain age. The next two are actually going to apply to children of any age. Uh, The first one is this, obedience. We honor our parents through obedience. Colossians 3.20 says it this way, children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. So who does this obedience one apply to? Who is he talking about? Who's children in this? Um, I'm not going to argue age, but I'm just going to say this. If you're still living at home with your parents, if they are paying the bills, doesn't matter how old you are, you are still a child. Uh, You are called to obey. Now, when you get a job, when you move out, when you pay your own bills, you don't have to live by their rules, but you still have to honor them. What Scripture says is this. When we obey mom and dad, uh, what does it do? It pleases God. It pleases God that we would do this. Uh, the second thing the scripture says is that it's right. It's right that we would o- obey our parents. And the third one is kind of a common sense one. It says it will go well with us. Uh, that's pretty easy to kind of understand because if you have a contentious relationship with one of your children, probably they aren't doing what you've asked them to do. And when we do what our parents ask us to do, well, guess what? We don't have much to argue about anymore. And the 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 arguing and the contention goes away. God has specifically placed you in the family that you're in. Uh, your mom, your dad are to be your tutors, your guide in this thing called life. They have more experience. They know more than you. You're to listen to them. But why is it hard sometimes to obey mom and dad? You know, the Bible here is in very nice language saying this. Uh, you don't think you're a moron, but you are. You need your parents in your life to listen to. Uh, think about this. Think about it, even our culture. Uh, why do we put child? Why do we make childproof cabinets and do all that? Uh, because children would go and drink Drano and be like, "This is cool. I wonder what this tastes like." And so we put locks on the cabinets to keep them away from hurting themselves. Uh, why are there childproof uh, medicine? deals. Because children be like, hey, look, I want to take some candy like mom and dad take candy. That'd be fantastic. Let's take a lot of candy. 
It's to protect them from themselves. Why do we have childproof locks on the inside of car doors? Because somewhere along the line, some kid thought it'd be great to open it up at 60 and leave the, ha- leave the car. They don't understand. I mean, think about it. Why do we put warnings on coffee that it's hot? Because, well, that one breaks down. That's for us. But here's the thing. Your inexperience can lead you down roads that you don't want to go. And your parents can help you in that. I know some of you uh, children are sitting in here, and I see some of you sitting out there, and you're like, okay, hold on a second. But you don't know my mom and dad. I mean, my mom and dad are clueless. They have no idea what's going on. Now, I'll tell you this. I used to think my uh, dad was clueless. And much of it, and much of my thought process revolved around his fashion sense. So, you know, the, I had the dad that would be out in the lawn, mowing the lawn with uh, the short, you know, Magnum shorts, Magnum PI stuff, and the, the black uh, socks with the tennis shoes or the sandals, and the, you know, the glowing white legs and, and all that kind of stuff. And I've, he has no idea. He has no clue. He's absolutely clueless in this endeavor. Now, here's the funny thing. I look around now, and I see my boys and all of their friends wearing black socks with tennis shoes. I can remember specifically talking to Nicole when we got married. We're like, don't let me be the black sock dad. She's like, no problem. And now I look at my kids, and they're totally wearing the black socks. They look at pictures of me in middle school, and they're like, Dad, seriously, white tube socks all the way up here with big colored stripes around them? What were you thinking? And I'm like, what? That was awesome back then. Here's what I've learned. It's not about fashion. It's not about being cool. It's not about knowing the correct things to say uh, with the culture that the students are living in. It's about shepherding. It's about directing. It's about imparting wisdom. Now, I know I say that, and some of you are sitting there and like, yeah, seriously, still, I know more than my mom and dad. I got this. I got this covered. Well, okay, let's pretend you do. Let me convey a story to you. In Luke chapter 2, Luke tells the story of Jesus. Now, Jesus and his family every year went down to Jerusalem from Nazareth, and they went to celebrate uh, the feast of the Passover. And so this, is, this one takes place when he's 12 years old. And so they go down as a family and they celebrate the feast and they're on their way home. They travel for a day. And they look around and they're like, uh-oh, where's Jesus? He's not here. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, yeah, his parents are totally clueless. Here's how this could happen in the culture. Uh, around 12 years old, sometimes the younger boys always walked with the women. And so 12 years old was kind of a, do I walk with the women? Do I walk with the men? So it would have been very easy for Mary to be like, he's totally with Joseph. It would have been very easy for Joseph to be like, oh, he decided to be with Mary. No problem. And they walk, and they get to that place and, and where they're going to rest and they're going to stop. And Mary and Joseph are like, oh, no. So, of course, you know, they take out their cell phones and they text him to see if he's okay, Right? They have no opportunity to do that. Now, moms and dads in this room, if you got in your car and you drove for an hour and you didn't realize that Junior wasn't with you and you got to wherever you got after the day of driving and you realized they weren't there, how would you feel? Well, one less mouth to feed. How would you be like, "Ah, we got to go back. And so that's what, they, that's what they did. They journeyed back, and they went looking for him all over Jerusalem. Scripture says this. It took them three days, three days to find him. Do you think Mary slept well at night in that time? 
Now, when they find him, when they run across him, he's in the temple. And he's gathered around all the teachers and, and priests, and he's like teaching them and asking them questions. And they are just like, whoa, this 12-year-old, he is incredibly smart. This is amazing. Mary and Joseph walk in. They don't have the same analysis. They're like, how could you do this to us? We were freaked out. What were you thinking? And Jesus responds to him and says, yeah, I was, a, I was in my father's house. I was about my father's business. I was doing the things that he wants done. And they're like, okay, but get back in the caravan. We're going home. Now, if ever there was a case in all of history for a 12-year-old that, that a 12-year-old could make that I was smarter than mom and dad, this is the one. I mean, this is the creator of the universe looking at the created who are his uh, guardians right now on earth and going, I totally know more than an uneducated carpenter from a young lady who hasn't been to school. But notice what he does. Verse 51 says this, And he went down with them, and he came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. Why? Because Jesus understood Uh, that we are to honor our parents through obedience. If you are a son or daughter and you are struggling with your relationship with mom or dad, let me ask you this. What issue are you struggling to obey in right now? What issue are you struggling with obedience in? Because when you identify that, Ask the Holy Spirit for help and say, Holy Spirit, help me to obey this rule. Uh, Instead of thinking that they hate you, pull back a little bit and consider why they might be doing this. Perhaps they want a certain pattern developed in your life. Uh, Perhaps uh, they look around and they go, man, this would be better for the family as a whole if you did this thing. Or perhaps they see you heading down a dead-end road and they're like, man, there is nothing there for you. And they want to guide you and guard you. Now, as you get older, uh, you don't have to obey all the rules. And by older, I mean uh, you got your own job, you're supporting yourself, you're out of the house, you're paying your own bills. You don't have to obey, but you still have to honor. So how do we do that? Let me give you two quick ways that you can honor mom and dad, uh, regardless of your age. Uh, The first one is this, understanding. We can honor them with understanding. Uh, If I were to look at Romans 3.23, it tells me that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. In other words, my parents are not perfect. I know that's news to a lot of you, but my parents make mistakes. They're not perfect. And the fact is that they are facing some tough issues. When you look at it and you think of parents, what are we facing? Well, we got to... We're responsible for our family. We got to uh, earn some money to be able to care for them. We got to make good decisions for them. We got to do the job that we're supposed to be doing so that we can make the money to support them. There's a lot going on that parents are thinking about. Uh, your parents definitely care about your well being. And do you realize that they are accountable to God for how they raise you? I find myself right now at 43 thinking so many times that. When I think back into high school and middle school where I thought my parents didn't know anything, I'm like, man, they were pretty smart. Uh, I don't know if the rest of you have discovered that if you, as you have begun to parent um, or are involved in that, where you're like, oh, that's why my mom and dad did that. I totally get it. 
As our parents get older, our roles in their life change a little bit. We become the ones to look out for them. Uh, as my dad got sick and uh, moved towards, uh, towards death, there were a lot of things that we as kids got to come around and watch out for our mom and watch out for our dad and be their advocate. And the roles kind of changed where we were helping to take care of our parents. Uh, that's a tough transition. I think one of the ways we can honor our parents in that is honor them by understanding what they're going through, learning about what they're going through. I, th- I think a lot of conflict can be solved just by being able to put ourselves in their shoes and hear what they're, they're, they're going through. second way to honor them is by loving them, through love. Proverbs 10:12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers offenses. There are some ways in which you can express that love. One is simply through words. Tell them. Uh, When's the last time you called your mom and dad, and if they're alive, and just said, hey, listen, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've built into me. Thank you for what you've done. Uh, I'll say this. In 22 years of ministry, some of the saddest moments are at funerals where the child has some unresolved things that they left unsaid. And they just wish, man, if I could just have time to have a conversation with my mom or dad again. If I could just tell them oh, that I love them. I, I know within a room this size that some of you just need to go home and have a conversation. And that's the one thing that God has for you today. You just need to go home and reach out to your mom or dad and just say, you know what? I'm so thankful for you. Maybe we've had our struggles, but I'm just thankful that God puts you in my life. Uh, The other way we can express love is through our actions, through our actions. Uh, Do you ever kind of go out of the box and do something special for your mom or dad? Uh, Do something just to tell them, man, I I love you. We, in my family, uh, there are half of us that kind of have tended towards the uh, Apple computer side, and then there are the other half that have tended towards the PC side, and so... We don't like to talk to the PC people, but the Apple folks, uh, that came from my mom and dad. They, they had those computers when they first came out and kind of loved them. And, and my mom taught me a ton about computers in that. The interesting thing is, as technology has changed over time, they still kept the Apple products, but my dad really took care of a lot of that. And so as my dad passed on, uh, my mom, I found myself answering a lot of phone calls from my mom. Hey, uh, my iPhone's doing this. Can you help? What, what do I need to do with that? So she sent me, she called me up and we were talking. She's like, well, I'm thinking about getting a new computer. And I went, oh, that's great. That'd be fantastic. And so she's like, what do you recommend? And so I talked her through what she needed and all that. And I was like, well, you know, a, a MacBook Air would be f- great for what you're looking for and what you need. And she's, she goes, okay, great. Um, can, thanks for helping me in that. Now, here's what I know. I know that my mom can can drive from her house an hour to Augusta, uh, go to the Mac store, talk to the geniuses, bring her old computer and go, hey, can you help me transfer everything? And they can kind of get her set up. But I know that when she goes home, there's still going to be some issues that are going to be there for her and setting up on the network that my dad first set up and all that kind of stuff. And I know she's going to struggle with that. And so one of the ways that I can express love to her and I can honor her is take a drive uh, from here nine hours to where she lives and help her over two or three days to set up her computer and make sure that everything is set and working and right. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. I got that. I got off the phone with that 
conversation, and Nicole totally gets this because she, uh, she's like, what's, what's going on with your mom? I'm like, well, she wants a new computer. And she's like, great, when are you leaving? And I'm like, what? I'm like, when am I leaving? She's like, yeah, this weekend looks good. I can take care of all the kids. They're all at the same soccer field. That'd be no problem. Why don't you go this weekend? And I'm like, she gets it. She totally understands. And so I get the opportunity in a couple weeks to go up and help my mom uh, set up a new computer. But I know that you know that your parents have certain needs and, and things, too, that, that they need your help with. And we can surprise them and love them through our actions and through the things that we do for them. So we honor our parents through obedience, through understanding, and through love. All right, let's flip it over and let's turn it over to the parent side. Only one verse for us here. This is, this is great. Uh, and it, directs, it speaks directly to fathers. It says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in. Fathers, this is our submission point. Uh, my goal is this, let go of my wounded pride, let go of my discomfort, let go of my embarrassment, and instead put my child's long-term interest first in the discipline process. Uh, scripture addresses us directly. It says, hey, don't negatively motivate your children. The goal is not to express parental authority. How many times have you maybe thought this or said this? Hey, I am in charge of this house. You will listen to me because I am in charge. Right? What are you expressing? Parental authority. But here's the deal. The goal isn't parental authority. The goal is passing on God's authority to our children. Helping them see where authority comes from. Uh, I'm a big believer that homes should be filled with fun. Homes should be filled with love. Homes should be filled with grace. Homes should be filled with mercy. And guys, I believe we as dads set the tone for that. We we demonstrate that and, and set the environment for that. Now, in that, You have to figure out how to nurture, how to discipline, how to shape your children uh, in a way that doesn't exasperate them. And what you know if you have multiple children is that you know that each one is a little different in how they respond. Uh, The fact of the matter is children are born with a sin nature. Uh, They're going to rebel some point about the rules that you have in your house. They're not always going to like your rules. That's okay. There are times when we're going to make them angry just by being consistent, just by the decisions we make. That's okay. What this passage is teaching is don't try and make them angry just to show them who's boss. Listen, in our own strength, we might provoke, we might humiliate, we may make arbitrary decisions based on our own comfort. Uh, But think about this. This is why Paul addresses us here in this passage. Because in that culture, children had no say, no power, no recourse, no nothing. They were alone. That system works incredibly for control and authority. But remember, the goal isn't to express our own authority, but to move their hearts towards Jesus. I'll tell you this. In 14 years of doing student ministry, and then the last eight overseeing the guys here that do student ministry... Um, let me tell you what I've noticed over time. This is not a 1 plus 1 equals 2 formula, but this is a general guideline that I've seen. Uh, the more you suffocate your kids with rules, uh, the more you add punishment just to show them who's boss, uh, the more you add punishment just so they won't embarrass you again, 
the more you dig in with your words, the more likely they will be crazy when they leave your house and go nuts and do everything you hope they wouldn't do because they couldn't stand living under your roof. Uh, my son, Rylan, uh, when we first moved here, was involved in the Lampkins program next door to the child care. And they did this really neat thing around Christmas. It was a Christmas program, so it worked out really well. And it was one of those things where, like, they paraded the 125 kids up on the stage, and they sang a little song, and they waved at mom and dad. And mom and dad took pictures, and moms cherished it in their heart. And, oh, yay, those, those kind of programs. Now, we had recently moved here in the summer, and uh, Ryland had um, done a few other things along the way. When I first came here, uh, Fred Stubbs was the executive pastor, and he was handling a lot of the financial side of things. And so the the goal for me was I would come up and do the ministry side of things and then learn from Fred about the financial side of things. And he would uh, teach and train me. So, you know, you want to make a good impression when someone else is imparting uh, what they're doing so that you can learn it and all that kind of stuff. I remember being at a staff lunch. We're all sitting around a table over at Cheddar's, and Jody Sauer's phone rings. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, oh, Oh, okay. Oh, so the fire alarm is going off right now. Oh, great. Oh, one of the kids pulled it? Yeah. Rylan Eichem pulled it. Oh, that's okay. And I, I just, I'm like sinking down. I'm, I'm sitting right next to Fred. And I'm just sinking down in my chair and I'm like, oh, man. What I learned later is that like I think every pastor here's kid has one time pulled the fire alarm over there, so I felt a little better about that. But to be honest with you, I was a little embarrassed by that. I was like, oh, come on. So that's in my mind as we go to this Christmas program, and because that had happened recently. And we go to this Christmas pro- program, and every kid gets up on stage and sings. And I remember I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing this voice, and it's screaming, No! I will not go on stage! No! And I'm thinking to myself, that voice sounds so familiar. So familiar. And then all of a sudden, uh, one of the teachers comes and taps me. He's like, um, uh, Tom, your uh, son, won't, Rylan, won't go up on stage. I'm like, Rylan. Awesome. Right? So uh, I'm just I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but to be honest with you, I was ticked off. I was a little embarrassed that my kid threw the tenter tantrum about going up on stage. I was a little embarrassed about the fact that, you know, he's not up there. I'm like, I'm in front of people all the time. It's not that big of a deal, kid. Right? And, and okay, that's where I was at. And so I went to get up, and Nicole, she sensed this, and she grabbed my arm, and she goes, He's scared out of his mind. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to be even more so in a second. Right? That's what I'm thinking in my head. And she's like, then she says this, be gentle. And and I'm walking out, and I'm like, I'll show you gentle. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, and I enter the classroom that he's in, and he's there, and he's looking at me, and his eyes are big, and his teeth full of tears. And I'm like, you are getting up on that stage, is what I'm thinking in my heart. And I'm looking at him, and all I hear is this, be gentle, be gentle. And I'm like, I don't want to be gentle. Go up on stage with your buddies, sing and wave. Your mom wants pictures. Let's go. So I pick him up, and, I, and I'm frustrated with him, and I walk him into the back of the, um, the sanctuary over there, and we're watching this thing. And I'm just, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm angry inside. I'm just ticked off that, you know, Pulled the fire alarm, embarrassed me that way. He's screaming like crazy about going up on stage. He's embarrassing me that way. And I'll just be truthful. Other dads, they're not helping at all. Because they're walking by me and they're like, oh, 
pastor's kid, afraid of going up on stage, huh? Awesome. I'm like, just angry, right? Now, here's what I had to learn. Here's what God had to teach me. It's not about me. It's not about me. If I make it about me and my comfort at that moment, then I strive for behavior modification instead of just trying to grab their heart and direct their heart towards Jesus. Now, our kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to sin. And we've already covered that there can be morons at times. It's going to happen. Here's what I've learned about Rylan over the years. He doesn't like being in front of people unless he's competing. It's not a confidence issue for him. In fact, he has tons of confidence. His soccer coach asked him last weekend, hey, how was your tournament? He looks at him straight face, I was phenomenal. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Uh, He doesn't lack for confidence at all. But what, what I've discovered about him is God has wired him a little differently than he's wired me. Uh, I'll walk in uh, sometimes, and I'll see him in his little patrol station. Uh, he's a fifth grader, so he's doing patrol. And what I noticed the one time I walked in is that they all had little lines that they were waiting for to, for the bus to pick them up and the daycare to pick them up. And he is, uh, all of them are sitting there like this, you know, in front of their line because they're in charge of that line, except for one kid, uh, Rylan. And he is on his knees like this, talking with the kindergartner and going, hey, how's your day? Oh, really? Oh, that's really cool yeah, buddy, your bus is going to be here in a second, and we'll get you on there, and you get to go home and see mom and dad. And I'll see you tomorrow. And he is, like, talking with this kid like that. Now, he's wired differently than me. Uh, He's a kid that can walk into a room and, and have friends right away in small groups. He's fantastic in small groups. But the stage, no desire whatsoever. In fact, we were asking him, you know, where he wanted to serve, and we had two options for him. Like, you can serve as a um, co-small group leader helping, you know, being a junior leader helping out an adult with a small group of kids, or you can be uh, on the hot seat, do the hot seat team. And he's like, whoa, is that the one where you go up on stage and you dance in front of everyone and stuff? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like Cam. I'll do the, uh, the small group thing because that's how God has wired them. The key for us dads is to not take things personally when our children do things that upset us, that disappoint us. To the point to where we aggressively attack our children and where we put extra rules and burdens on them that they could no longer live up to. Because in the end, what we, what we create is frustrated kids. Uh, dads, I believe in this one too. We really need to watch the things that we say. We need to watch our mouth, watch our tongues. I'm not talking just about bad language, but what I'm talking about is watch the way you speak towards your sons. Watch the way you speak towards your daughters. Um, Your words are incredibly, incredibly powerful in the lives of your children. Uh, The book of James tells us this, that we can create forest fires in their lives, destruction in their lives because of our words. We can also create a place where they could grow and develop and, and blossom because of our words. Guys, think of it this way. You can instill in your daughters confidence, security through the way in which you talk to them. So that when they go out and they are looking for a man in some way, they're looking for someone that's going to treat them well, that's going to respect them, that's going to encourage them, that's going to love them well because you modeled that for them and how you spoke to them. 
Or you can demean her. Let her know that she's worthless. And then she's going to go looking for love from the first guy that gives her attention. Your words have tremendous weight and value. Uh, You can make your sons feel confident and safe in the way in which God's created them. Even if he's created them to enjoy a pastime that's different than yours. Your goal is to nurture, to love, to encourage them with your mouth. That's Holy Spirit type stuff. That's asking him, say, Lord, direct me. Help me to speak into their life. Help me to be a blessing to my children. Help me to use my tongue, not to wound or hurt, but to build up and encourage. Because it has lasting effects. Now, let me give you two quick other ways uh, that we're charged with in this passage to parent our our kids. Uh, By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to bring them up in discipline. Bring them up in discipline. Uh, We need to correct them when they get out of bounds. It says this, uh, Proverbs 19 says, Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of peace, of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Uh, discipline hurts. Even when you're given discipline, it hurts. But we need to be willing to have the hard conversations with our children when they go out of bounds. Lovingly, firmly, with the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, here's four things that I found that are helpful in those conversations that we include in our conversations or try to include in our conversations with our children. Uh, The first is this. We identify what action was unacceptable. You did this. Oh, okay. Then we identify why it's unacceptable. Here's why you shouldn't be doing what you just did, because it does blah, blah, blah. Third, we explain the punishment. Now, because we love you, here's what's going to happen. We want you to learn this. Then fourth, what we do is we explain what our hopes and our desires are for them, what we want for them. In other words, we try and cast a vision for them. Listen, I want you to be a man that grows up to love Jesus, that grows up to love these things, that grows up to make good decisions, good decisions, and all those kind of, and I follow it up with that. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are times when I have that conversation when all they hear is number three, what have I just lost? Uh, but I try to be repetitive on that formula so that they can see That every time we discipline on a certain thing, we're trying to establish why we want you to be have that behavior in your mindset. Listen, I know, I know it's exhausting, and I think there are times that we parent by just going, "Okay, as long as they don't kill each other, we're good." Uh, But the, the fact of the matter is, God has called us to raise them up, and I would encourage you: don't lose heart. The Holy Spirit wants to give you strength, wants to give you insight, wants to give you power in this area. Second thing, to kind of wrap up, final one. By power of the Holy Spirit, bring them up in instruction. Uh, We are to instruct them. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. We talked about this a lot last week, about leaving a legacy of faith. And if you weren't here last week, you can go online and, and look at that. But here's the thing. If we don't have the conversations with them about what God wants for them and how they're supposed to live, who's going to have those conversations with them? And so when it comes to what God wants for them with their money, what God wants for them in their purity, what God wants for them in their future, what God wants for them in their obedience, those are the conversations that we need to have with them and to instruct them on. Um, Let's just be honest. This is hard. 
This is hard stuff. It's impossible, impossible to do on our own strength. This is us being able to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help to raise my kids. Please work through me today. Give me insight, give me strength, give me power to shape their hearts towards you. Here's how I'd like to close. I'd just like to close just by praying for you and praying for our children here at Bay Life. That they would grow up to love God with their minds, with their emotions, and with their strength. And that God would use you to do more than what you think is possible in your children's lives because of his power, not yours. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for blessing us with children. Your word says children are a blessing. And sometimes we forget that, but God, thank you for blessing us with children. Lord, um, help us to turn to you and to give ourselves over to you and allow you to parent through us. Raise our children through us, Lord. God, my deep desire is that everyone who calls us home, all the kids represented here, Lord, that they would grow up to know and love you and honor you with their lives. And so, God, we ask that you would work by any means necessary to do that. We trust you. We love you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. All right. So um, if you're visiting with me, I'm going to be over, visiting with us. I'm going to be over in the corner for a little bit, and I'd love to, uh, love to have you meet me there. Um, I know you're coming tonight to the Fall Festival and all that stuff, but what I need now is I need uh, help stacking chairs. And so if you could help us stack, please do not go higher than eight. If you go higher than eight, they have a tendency to fall on people, and that's just bad. So uh, eight is the limit, and if you can help us stack these chairs in the sections of eight, that would be great. And that rhymes. Thanks.